This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, August 14th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And there's obviously a lot of news in today's market, mainly a lot of red news in the equity markets. And we're going to talk about that more today. But ultimately, the topics on this show are brought by you, the listener. So that's what we are here to do is answer your questions. So don't hesitate to pick up the phone. Give us a call. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, with so many variables that play in the market, I'm sure you need some unbiased guidance. And that's what we are here to do. So you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you'll give me a call once again with your investing and finance-related questions. And remember, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you take that next step, take that next step in financial freedom, in your own version of financial freedom. And we do this each and every weekday with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. You probably won't see a lot of the things on CNBC talked about here uh, unless you guys bring it to our attention or bring us a question in relation to that. So we're not CNBC. We're almost the antithesis of that. So today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to answer all of your questions, but you do need to give me a call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that big tech and retail get a reprieve from U.S. and China trade wars with a tariff delay, but there are still increasing tariffs in other industries as well. So we're going to talk about that. What does that mean for investors and the tension between us and the and China? When I want to say us, I just say the U.S. And then I'm also going to give you a full recap. I think this is the biggest thing. That's that's the near term news and headlines. That's what headlines are about. Headlines are about the near term. But I'm going to touch on. The trade war as a whole, we're about a year into it as as the end of June. We're a year into the trade war. Are we winning? What steps has China taken against us? As well as what steps have they taken with our rival industrial countries or regions, shall we say? So what does trade look like between China and our competitors on a global economic, industrial, business scale, and what does it look like with us, both exports and imports as well, and I think that's going to be very interesting. Also, the yield curve is now inverted. It's, it's been inverting for a little while now in various you know, three, six-year, different parts of the yield curve have inverted, but the big one, the 210, just recently inverted today, actually. So, what does the performance of the stock market look like over the, the coming period once those things happen? I think that'll be interesting to look at. Won't exactly be tell you 100% what's going to happen next because how governments and central banks react will be different than it has in the past, but I think it will still be instructive. And then lastly, defensive stocks. 
particularly REITs and other defensive sectors, how correlated are they to the overall market? Which sectors are the most defensive? We're going to touch on that as well. So ultimately, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind. So let's go to Lewis in Texas asking if he should sell now. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, I was wondering, I I have Ford, and it's been coming down pretty hard with the trade war. Um, I have a big lot. Should I sell at a loss? Should I hold on to it? I know I read an article that they have about $20 in cash, uh, so the dividend is safe. Uh, What are your thoughts? Uh, I would. I've been kind of railing against the f- automobile companies for a while now. Uh, they th- there's an interesting cycle going on with leases and used car prices, etc. And it's just a really, really bad time to be an automaker uh, because for a good three, four, five years, leasing became very, very profitable. What's happening now is. You're getting a flood of lease returns and the used car market is just overflowing with inventory, which brings down resale prices, residuals uh, that they're getting for those lease returns, as well as the, 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 the attractiveness of buying a used car versus a new car has become a lot, a lot wider. So just the, the, the used car market or the car market in general just has not been a great place to uh, be an investor uh, to or be an operator. So you couple that with the fact that we are looking like we're sliding into a recession here. I don't think this uh, is a good place to be owning for it. I think this will continue lower. I think this will be a low single digit stock in the next couple of years versus a high single digit stock today. So I would absolutely be selling Ford. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. No problem. Thanks for the call. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and while no one has ever been able to reliably, reliably predict exactly where the markets are going to go in the short term, it's important for your own personal financial freedom to understand if you're prepared for the market volatility that is inevitably going to come. Right? Just because you don't feel the risk in your portfolio doesn't mean you didn't take it. it just means that it didn't show up that particular month. Okay. So do yourself a favor. Set up a time to meet with myself or Steve with for one-on-one no-cost portfolio review guidance. He will be in San Jose on October 29th and now accepting appointments in New York City, uh, September 19th and 20th. And he was is it going to be we're going to be announcing new dates for both of those locations in October and November. So be on the lookout for those as well. And you can reserve your spot for the complimentary consultations by registering now at investtalk.com and get in on one of those dates or maybe a future date. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and we are all watching the markets go up, then down. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take a look at some key benchmark numbers on the day. We have gold at 1526 an ounce, uh, down a, a touch. 
Oil down as well, $55 a barrel. 30-year treasury yields have fallen to back to an all-time low. That's really, really interesting considering the fact that back in 2015, we had a low all-time of 2.11% was the low on 2.10% was the low on the 30-year treasury. Now we're at 2.025%. 10-year treasury at 1.588%. That also is, let's see, we're approaching the lows from 2015, but we're not quite there yet. That low was, let's take a look, 1.336, now we're at 1.58. So not quite an all-time low in the 10-year treasury, but that two-year now is above the 10-year treasury, 210 inversion about two basis point difference, 1.608 versus 1.588. And the last time it inverted was December 2007, which was two months after the peak in the stock market. You know, we're about a month past the recent peak in the stock market. Pretty interesting. And the big question is, what is the Fed going to do next? And will it be enough? Will lower interest rates be enough in an economy that's addicted to low interest rates that you know everyone who's refinanced kind of almost has you know there's always going to be some people that have it and there'll be a rush to do so uh right now but it's just showing that there's not a ton the fed can do anymore besides lower interest rates to really juice the economy and it's really going to be what are governments going to do to change the economic trajectory? Stimulus in various forms. Now, trade concerns will continue for some time, like we talked about before. And the numbers out of Germany, China, Japan, and Eurozone all combine to affect the market, even our market. And the world has been turned upside down by negative yields over there as well. So this is not something new. These low, low interest rates are not something new to the global economy. We've had negative interest rates in Europe for years now, okay? The big question is, will it fix anything? And I think we know, we can tell by now, and it's starting to creep into the average person's mind, is that they've lost control. The central banks have lost control of their, of their thought process. They've lost control of there's solutions because they're, they have very blunt instruments. Lowering interest are, is a very blunt instrument, right? It's not stimulating really one particular industry or one particular country. It's lowering the cost of capital across all industries. And frankly, it's the most important aspect of our markets is the cost of money. And I don't think they have a plan to work their, themselves out of it. And that's why you see gold rising so dramatically here. Now, Uber was priced at $36 per, per share. Uh, and, and it has recently hit a record low, which isn't really a shock, right? You, you just had a recent IPO and it tanked. We've talked about this before. People get excited about IPOs. People get all hopped up about the latest stock to co or company to go public. And it's very reminiscent, I've been saying this for a while, of two, 1999. We are in tech bubble 2.0. And this is the peak of unicorns, 
loss-making tech companies going IPO, and it's going to end the exact same way it did in 1999 with a giant tech wreck, and you're seeing the likes of Lyft, of Uber, of even the likes of uh, Netflix, who are now cratering in, in the face of a lot of competition. So it just shows you that we're in an environment that you have to take seriously the risk off nature that's happening. And this is only the beginning. We are at the beginning of a bear market, even though I could argue it started early last year. This is likely going to be drawn out. Why? Because the policy tools in the Fed, in the central bank uh, uh, pocket, are just no longer nearly as effective. And it's going to have to come from government. It's going to have to come from governments that, frankly, have trouble agreeing on much. So don't be shocked by this. Don't just bet on the sexy names. I know it can be easy, but it's not, it's, this market is not going to be easy. It's not an easy market. The easy market's over. Over 10 years, 11 years of central bank money printing and increasing liquidity, they're at the end of their rope. They're going to try, but they're going to fail to keep us out of a recession. So you need to keep powder dry. You need to be allocating to defensive sectors and out of names that are pie in the sky ideas that don't produce cash flow, that are super cyclical, right? And if they're a recent IPO, extremely high likelihood that they're overpriced. Are you listening to Invest Talk? I'm Justin Klein. You've been listening to Invest Talk for a while. If you have, you have heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance, and you should go do that over at investtalk.com right now. You can take the quiz, give you a, a, a score, 1 to 99. It's kind of like a speed limit. The higher it is, the more comfortable you are being aggressive versus lower it is, the more uh, conservative you are. And a lot of people, I've seen this. They say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm aggressive. But if they see a 5% drop in their account, they freak out. Well, guess what? Then you shouldn't be aggressive. You should be conservative. Okay? So head over to investtalk.com. Fill that out, and you'll be able to understand for yourself how risky you really are. And now I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Summer is moving fast, and your path to financial freedom begins with the right strategy. You've got questions, Steve and Justin have answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Mark in San Jose. How you doing, Mark? Uh, not too bad. Thanks, Justin, for taking my call. Anyway, uh, one of the few examples of uh, defensive stocks you just mentioned, like what companies? Like, uh, do, do you have a couple of names you can just throw, throw out there? So, per... SEC rules, we are not not allowed to like do that, throw out recommendations like that particular companies. No, no, now, no, you I'm can not, bring I'm me a company, you can call and say, hey. Examples of them. Yeah, well, an example well, would be, I could say an industry, right? I could say an industry in general. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, so okay. 
utilities, right? Duke Energy, for example. That's 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 that would be. I'm not saying you buy Duke Energy. I'm saying Duke Energy isn't an, is a, a utility company, right? Anti-cyclical. Their business is going to be consistent no matter really what the economic cycle is. They're going to pay that dividend, whether it's overvalued or undervalued. I can't tell you that, but what I can say is that's a type of name that would be anti-cyclical, be more of a safe play versus something that's more cyclical. Thank you. I guess that was it. All right, my main talking point today is about the Chinese trade war, U.S.-China trade war, and the White House has now delayed just very quickly after threatening to implement tariffs on September 1st. They have delayed tariffs on certain imports from China, including cell phones, laptops, and some apparel items until the end of the year because, quote, Trump doesn't want to ruin Christmas, I guess is what he said. Now, the remaining products on the list of roughly $300 billion in shipments from China will still be subject to the higher duties. So a lot of a lot of goods are going to be exempt from this, but not all. Let's just say that. Um, and that's really the, the long and short of it. The trade war continues. And what I want to do is transition into what happened over the last year. Because it's been basically a year since the trade war started, and there's no resolution clearly. And if you listen to President Trump and you take him at face value, he says that it is a beautiful thing. The trade war is a beautiful thing, and he thinks that it will help attract massive amounts of money into the US. Well, let's look at the numbers. And first, I want to preface this I'm not a Democrat, I am not a Republican, I am neither. I think both are a disaster in their own ways. Let's just say that. So I'm not backing Trump. I am just looking, or I'm against or against him. I'm just looking at the facts. And this is coming from the Financial Times. And one year into this trade war, the numbers are in, and we are not winning. Clearly, we are not winning. And so what are the numbers? Well, between July 2018, when the U.S. first imposed its tariffs, to the end of June this year, U.S. exports to China, us sending goods and services to China, slumped by $33 billion or 21%. Let me repeat that. Our exports to China are down 21% since that time period. In contrast, Chinese exports to the U.S., grew by $4 billion or about 1%. Now, it's not a big growth. Certainly, there's been some damage there, but we continue to import the same amount of goods and even slightly more than we did before the trade war started. So, it hasn't really affected too much our importing of goods from China, but it certainly has affected our exporting of goods to China. And the reason is, is because... China has increased tariffs on U.S. goods by 12.4%. And on average, they've lowered tariffs on Europe, Japan, and elsewhere. So while we are using the stick to try to coerce China into a different trade deal, they're using the carrot to entice Chinese companies to not per- to purchase from other 
nations and other regions besides the United States. So they're using the carrot and the stick where we're just using the stick. So what I would say is, was China, was Trump right to start a trade war or criticize our dealings with China and their China 2025 plan? And I'm going to say, yes, there's a lot in that that is damaging to U.S. corporations. It's not unprecedented. Japan did it. Other countries have done it in the past. But it's certainly not good for U.S. business. So should he have raised the stink? Yes. But a better solution would have been to complete something like the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Now, I'm not saying it needs to be all of what the Trans-Pacific Partnership it was or was proposed to be. But if... He had made deals with the other countries in the Asian region. It would have enticed our U.S. companies to import and consumers to import from those countries as opposed to China and made it more less advantageous for the Chinese businesses. And that would have been Trump's carrot along with his stick. But he only likes to use the stick where China has used both, and that's why they are winning the trade war. Now, on tomorrow's Invest Talk, WeWork, now rebranded the We Company, is widely expected to hold its IPO as soon as next month, but they just revealed they lost $900 million so far in 2019. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. trading month so far has been volatile. You are working toward financial freedom and you might want a little help. So Justin Klein is here taking your questions now. Call InvestTalk 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. He's looking at Crestwood Equity Partners Limited Partnership. Yeah. Hi, Justin. Okay, you you're, you're looking to buy it? Do you own it? Uh, looking to buy it, and they also have a preferred that I'm I'm thinking might even be better, maybe a little bit safer. Um, I mean, the stock doesn't move very much. Um, if I look at a long-term chart, um, but uh, as a defensive play and also for income, uh, I wonder what you think. Well, I definitely wouldn't say it doesn't move. I mean, this stock in 2011 was trading for $200 a share, and now you're at $33 a share. So 
it certainly it does move. Uh, and you, when oil fell out of bed back in 2014, 15, it went from 150 and hit a low of what is this? Ten dollars, eight dollars, something like that. So there's certainly a lot of risk in this name. So if you're looking for something that's safe, this is not the name for you. Uh, but that preferred might be better. Uh, I, I'm not sure what it yields. I don't know the details. There's a the preferreds tend to be quite complex. What do you know about the preferred besides the fact that it's just the preferred? Uh, I think I was looking at that chart. Um, well, it, the original price was ten dollars, uh, and it's been in the range of like between eight and a half to ten dollars, as long as it's been around around that I can see um, it. It pays a nine percent dividend, um, and I don't know more about it than that. I'm not sure, you know. Okay, what to look I typically for I don't like preferreds in general, <laughs> simply because it. you don't have the upside of the business. You don't have the upside of the stock price. Now, some of them will convert to equity, to common equity. Uh, under certain parameters, certain time frames. So you might want to look at, to see if that's the case. I wouldn't worry about that too much for, for this name because of uh, the long-term price track record doesn't seem to be very hot. Um, but I would be going with the preferred over the common equity because of the risk that I see here. Uh, and I don't think that payout is sustainable over time. and looks to have been cut over time. So I would stay away from the common. And I think if you like the preferred, I think it's a, a good way to go if you're getting exposure or looking to gain exposure to a name like this. Thanks for the call, John. 888 chart, 888 We have, oh, about 15, 20 minutes left in the show, but it is going to go by rather quickly. Now, let's talk about the major event today, at least what the market is talking about, and that is the spread between the 2 and the 10-year Treasury yield. And it is true that when this inverts, it almost always indicates that there is going to be a recession on the horizon. Now, that does not mean that the recession has to start tomorrow or next week or next month or maybe even next year. Because from 1956 on, when this did happen, a recession started on average 15 months after the first inversion. So that would put you somewhere in the neighborhood of late 2020. right? And maybe even into, you know, that's the average. So it could happen sooner, could happen later, could be 2021. Now what I will say is, because of the political situation in our country, I doubt there will be much stimulus out of government because the government simply can't get much done. They argue too much. They're too extreme on both sides. And there's very little middle ground. And therefore, any stimulus out of Washington is only going to come from the Federal Reserve. So to me, that puts the odds of a recession earlier than 15 months out more likely. And you add on top of that the trade war. Will this drag on longer? And the odds are yes. I've said that for a while and we continue to drag on. And I just talked about who's winning the war. China's winning the war. 
China's playing the long game. So they're winning the war in the near term and having a longer term strategic objective. So clearly we are losing the war and I don't think that's going to change. Unless Trump changes strategy and increasing tariffs are not the strategy that's going to win. Clearly. We're a year on here. Now what does the market do typically when the yield curve inverts? Well, on average, you look at any length of time, it's actually higher. Now 1978, it was lower both three months and six months later, but a year on it was 3% higher and two years on it was 20% higher. 1980, when this happened, the first three to six months were actually higher. First three months, it was up 13%, the S&P. But two years on, it was down 8%. 1988, when this happened, it was any time frame you look at it going forward, it was up. 1998, it was down originally, and then kind of rallied from there through the tech bubble. And in 2005, it was down, or sorry, it was up originally the first couple of years. And guess what? We peaked out 2007, two years later. And three years on from that 2005 level, the market was down 28%. But if you average all those out, you get positive across the board. Go three months, six months, one year, two year, three year. It's all positive. But what the history says is one of those time frames is going to be negative, whether that's in the short term, which you know we're one day in basically, or this could be a two or three year event where it's dragged out, where the negative returns are farther out. It's really hard to know, and a lot of variables at play. But understand that longer term, there will be a recovery. It's just a matter of how governments stimulate economies going forward. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the four, 4 o'clock Pacific time hour each weekday. You can also listen to us 24-7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com. And of course, you can listen, subscribe, rate, and review the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. I hope you tell your friends about it and family members. And now the lines are open. We have 12 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it now. We're going to answer your financial and investing questions live at 888 chart Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Ted in Georgia. Love the show. Thanks for everything you do. I'd like to ask Justin if you could clarify a statement he made on Thursday's show. He made a connection between the Fed printing money, discounted cash flow method, and the inflated state of asset prices. And I was wondering if he could actually 
you know, he was speaking in shorthand, obviously, because he was answering a caller's question. But I was wondering if he could tie those three threads together in a little more explicit fashion uh, so I could understand it better. Thanks so much. Sure. Uh, I'll try to do it as simply as I can. Uh, it's much easier when you can draw it out and show somebody. But what I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain it is simply is the current value of any asset, if you're using the discounted cash flow method, which is the most common method of valuing assets in general, not stocks, bonds, uh, all types of assets in the marketplace, is the current value is the present value of future cash flows. And what that basically means is, if I'm going to get a cash flow in the future, some sort of cash flow, and let's stay in a bond, right? Six month, a year out. Let's say it's uh, let's say it's $100 in a year. What is that $100 in one year worth today? Well, if I could invest, say, let's say the, it's a 2% yield. And let's, let's use different numbers. It's $102 in a year. And the 10-year treasury yield is 1.02. Sorry, one, or it's 2%, excuse me. It's 2%. So that $102 today, in order to get $102 in a year from now, how much do I need today? Okay, What is that present value today? And if the 10-year treasury yield is 2%, I can invest $100, and in a year, I'm going to get $102, equal to that $102 of that future cash flow. So when rates are super low... The value of the present value of that future cash flow is much higher. Now, if rates were, say, 20%, the current value of that $102 in the future is something like $80 today. Because I take the $80, $85, invested in a 20% yielding security, like treasuries, risk-free, and it's going to equal something like $102 in a year. So the present value of that $102 is a lot higher today because of where yields are versus if yields were, say, at 20%. I hope I explained that well enough. I know I started off a little shaky, but hopefully I ended that well. I know it's hard to explain simply with a voice, without a sheet of paper, but go look up the discounted cash flow method. And the most important aspect of that formula is the discounted rate, the risk-free rate, the treasury rate. And so when yields drop and the Fed and central banks lower interest rates, it inflates the value of all those future cash flows. And that's another reason why growth stocks are doing so well right now is because the expected value of what cash flows are going to be in the future are much higher than they are today. And so the present value today are very close to what it is in the future. Let's go to Jerry in Palo Alto. Hey, how's it going? Going well? Hey, so, good. So in anticipation of a possible recession, would it make sense to go back to the last one and see which stocks flourished and I know there's no guarantees, obviously, and things have changed, but would it make sense to go back to that time and look to see who did well? Well, 
it's helpful, uh, but you no two recessions are the same, right? The 2000 right. recession was very short, shallow. It was focused mainly on the tech sector. It, it really wasn't a broad-based recession. Some industries did fairly well. The S&P in general didn't decline too much, whereas the NASDAQ declined 70 80%, okay? Whereas you... And on the inverse, you're looking at the financial crisis. Financial stocks did terribly. Housing stocks did terribly. Tech stocks didn't do that bad in relation to a lot of the housing-focused names. Okay? So, and then you go back to other recessions. There are various drivers of the recessions. So, this recession is going to be different. It's probably going to be more broad. I think it'll be more reminiscent of the 2000 recession, right, where a lot of tech companies who are getting funded that shouldn't have been funded will either go under or their valuations will go from tens of billions to tens of millions, right? And that's going to be more of the flavor, I think. Now, it could be a blend of the two. It could be a little bit of both. You could see bank stocks get in trouble again and then does government do governments bail them out again? Um, so, the flavor of this recession is likely going to be different in some ways and the same in some ways. So looking at just the past recession is helpful, but it's not the only thing you look at. I would look at multiple recessions. What about, like I said, the 2000-2003 recession? What about the 90 or the 88 recession? What about during the Asian financial crisis in 98? How did, it, how did, how did those stocks react? So is it helpful? Sure. But the industry dynamics are different today than they were 10, 12 years ago all across almost every industry because of cloud computing, because of you know the low cost of capital. Various factors will affect each company and each industry in different ways. So it's a start, the start of where you study, but it isn't the end-all, be-all. Does that make sense, Jerry? Yeah, totally. To- totally. Now I just Thanks don't know what to call. Buy. <laughs> All right. Well, Great. it Thank just you. takes a little more work. No problem. 8899 chart, 8899-4278. We have uh, seven minutes left, eight minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Now, after we get on the other side of the break, I want to touch on something uh, something that, uh, that, that ties into the last caller, and that is the correlation between different areas of the market and the broader market, right? What sectors of the market have the most correlation with the broader market and which sectors have the lowest correlation with the broader market? So after the break, I'm going to touch on all of those and then you can, that might help you focus your energy towards rebalancing your portfolio. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here. That's to help you achieve financial freedom, and our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart On the next Invest Talk, WeWork, now rebranded as the We Company, is widely expected to hold its IPO as soon as next month. But the We Company has revealed a $900 million loss. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. 
888-992-4278. Now, since we are in the midst of a market sell-off, and I could even argue in the midst of a bear market, a very drawn-out, choppy bear market that, uh, frankly, is likely to continue, what areas of the market are going to be the least correlated with the broader markets? Now, let me, let me be frank. Just because they're less correlated doesn't mean they're non-correlated or inversely correlated. It doesn't mean that when the market goes down, they have to go up. It just means that they tend to move less than the overall market. Okay, So what are the most correlated industries or sectors, shall we say? Number one is industrials. Not a shock. Very cyclical. Large part of the market. Very volatile. A lot of operating leverage. Second, consumer discretionary. Shouldn't be a shock either. Economy goes south. People spend less money. Shouldn't shock you. Tied with consumer discretionary, technology. Technology, very volatile, very cyclical in many ways, especially in today's world, right? I've said this many times, how semiconductors are almost today's railroad stocks. So those are the areas of the market that are going to have the most volatility, that will move the most with the overall market. So what does that mean? You want to lower your exposure to those areas. Now, what areas do you want to increase your exposure to? Well, we've talked about utilities. The correlation is only 0.4%, the lowest of all 11 sectors. What's the second lowest? Consumer staples. Shouldn't be a shock, but still much, much higher than utilities, 057 so still over half of the level of volatility as the overall market. So consumer staples are anti-cyclical, but once again, not anti-market completely, just less volatile overall. And then third, a little bit higher volatility, 0.59% of the overall market, REITs. Now REITs have correlations that kind of pick up in certain times, so... I'd be a little more weary of that, but still, I think REITs are a place you can hide out, but you have to be selective of the type of REITs that hopefully are anti-cyclical, just like utilities, just like consumer staples. Now, let's grab one more caller question. This came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, my name is Daniel, and I was wondering uh, what your guys' thoughts are about Halliburton, H-A-L, the stock and other oil services have been pretty beaten up lately. I was wondering if you think long-term it's worth throwing some money into or to stay away altogether. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, he's looking at Halliburton. And uh, for a minute, I thought that the oil names could get uh, a nice a nice turnaround play with uh, the geopolitical situation, with uh, the potential for a weakening dollar. Um, but and, and technically, they were they were looking much, much better but that has all changed over the past week and a half. Uh, so I would stay away from Halliburton for now. Uh, certainly the 
pressures that we've seen recently uh, aren't abating, and I would stay away from it because uh, simply the it's a higher risk area of the marketplace, and I want to be in less risky areas of the marketplace. So I would pass on Halliburton for now. Well, it looks like we are at the end of the show. There goes another episode of Invest Talk, and I'm happy to say that uh, hope, I'm hope, hoping to say that I helped some of you out on today's show. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here, and I return on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Teasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.